This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Here's the scenario. You're injured in a collision and your insurance company is denying your claim. It happens far too often. If it happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. My team and I work for people just like you. We don't accept cases on behalf of insurance companies, so you and your family can make sure that you're in good hands. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Get Goldfinger today. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Samson Folk, and you're joining me after the Raptors go up 3-0 in the best of seven series against the Brooklyn Nets, the seventh seed, the Raptors, of course, occupying the two seed, winning this game, the third game of the series, 117-92, to and doing so in a very calm, very relaxed, very easygoing fashion. This game had all the typical trappings of what makes Raptors basketball fun, there are some wild passes from Marcus Gasol, some high-low feeds that we don't typically get to see from Serge Ibaka or Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi with some playmaking flair, Fred Van Vliet bombing from downtown, Kyle Lowry as well, Kyle Lowry taking charges. Basically everything you come to expect, Norm Powell, weak side uh, dunks, um, drives to the rim, all, all the usual trappings that makes this fun, no injuries. OG Ananobi got whacked in the face, bled for a little bit, but he was okay. And the Raptors, one step closer to the first sweep in franchise history. And they keep asserting themselves as one of the best teams in the league. And they keep making the case for why maybe they should be considered actually the top team. So, you know, this is progressing pretty well. The playoffs look good. The Nets are a lowly team, of course. And they didn't have Joe Harris tonight or today. I guess they played right in the middle of the day as well. But when you look at this team and you look at what they've been able to accomplish, and it doesn't matter who's across the floor from you, you just have to beat them. They're doing an awesome job. Fantastic. So let's jump into the game, man. And the first thing that happened in this game was something I've brought attention to a couple times, that Fred Van Vliet has extended his range. He is a smaller guard. So instead of those pull-ups that a lot of the guards who are like 6'4", 6'5", with long wingspans like to pull off against larger switches, Fred kind of has to go four plus, like between four to eight feet off the three-point line to get the angle for the shot to go off. And he got the switch on Jared Allen, pretty much first play of the game, just kept the ball from eight feet off the three-point line, bombed away from deep. And that was, I think, a great indication of where the Raptors were in this game because it was a precursor in that it showed us their confidence in this one. And they were confident. They completely walled off the the paint defensively. The Nets basically couldn't get anything going in there today. And that was, you know, when they finished with so few points. And you look at they lost Joe Harris coming into this game. Timothy Luwawu Cabarro not hitting from three the way that he was earlier in the first two games. 
Garrett Temple, that's not happening really either. So the initial buzz of this drive and kick team that we saw in their seeding games, in the bubble games, well, I suppose everything is a bubble game right now because, you know, they're in the bubble. So the seeding games, I should say, that hasn't carried over. The Raptors seemed, especially in this game, Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet, all rotating around Marcus Saul wonderfully and contesting those three-point shots. I think a really high degree of defense that they're putting out there and coming out early. 16-8 early lead, 24-17 after the first quarter. Everybody's kind of getting in on the offense. Everybody's flashing things we'd like to see. Lowry pushing with that, you know, that effervescent motor that he has that just, it exudes from his body. It's like his life force. You can see it. It's exuberant and he just bounces off everybody on his way to the rim or for a pull-up three. Siakam was hitting from mid-range, hit a corner jumper, and especially later on in the game, started looking for more of those mismatches and trying to get into the post. Gasol doing his thing. Super fun to watch and a very effective first quarter going up seven. It wasn't like 17 after the first quarter in the first game, game one, but this game, I would say very successful. The shot making kind of dipped a little bit towards the end. But the, the process of how they were getting those shots, I think, was very, very good. In the second quarter, whether it was through Pascal or through Serge or through Mark, the Raptors really started to work through the post. We saw an emerging high-low game just because of OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam, both very capable cutters, both eager to flash to the rim at certain times. And Serge Ibaka, who I think developed a very, well, not super potent, but a a decent he's decent on the short roll and making the passes to the corners and that is something that's been much improved this year and seeing him find the high low feeds which typically he wasn't able to do for most of his career super fun I mean most of his career he wasn't really playing with incredible big men or guys who could flash from the the perimeter to the post because one there was Kendrick Perkins there for a while and you're not going to get anything with that and second Steven Adams is pretty much just in the post already and they kind of asked Serge to step out. So cool to see a guy who's in the, I guess, the later stages of his career, still developing, still getting new facets of his game and still putting them out on the floor. So that was fantastic to see. But the the Raptors really were pressing their advantage there. They go up 35-19. Karis LeVert was still driving a lot of what the Nets like to do offensively. I thought Jared Allen, his screen setting, his willingness to go after it on the offensive glass, to take up space as you know just so the Raptors had to tag him Levert still driving their offense like I said getting into the lane making those little floaters those little jump shots that we know him for they look great they're super fun and it takes a lot of skill to make those shots especially when the rest of the team wasn't really performing from downtown so Levert took it upon his shoulders to be a shot maker he went in there did his thing but could not keep up with the pace of the Raptors offense so it was a bit of a counterpunch, and the Nets did start making some triples. But the Raptors, for the most part, you're looking at a team that's hit 9 of 17 at some point in the first half from downtown. They've they've done a wonderful job of spreading the ball out. Multifaceted attack. Lots, it's, there's lots of variance in what they're willing to do. They can go to the post. They can go through the middle. They can shoot. They can drive and kick. They can run, pick, and roll. Lots of great things happening. Levert hit a three with 0.8 seconds left in the first half, I think. But the uh, the Raptors, they kind of shovel the ball to Van Vliet, takes a couple bounces. He picks it up, immediately fires away, and hit a bomb to go up 57-42. Yeah, a half-court shot for Fred. 
after he was already steaming hot from downtown. So cool to see him kind of cap off. I thought a fantastic first half with a shot like that. And the Raptors up 57-42 at halftime. It looks like the Nets are pretty much finished at this point. And they, it doesn't look like they have a 15-point climb in the, like they just didn't have it in this one. And at the end of the second quarter was when a lot of those post-ups for Pascal Siakam were happening, but that continued in the third quarter, and I thought that was probably my favorite aspect of the game, was to see Pascal, who had so many times in this series gotten the ball against one of Garrett Temple or Karis LeVert, and kind of played them either to the middle of the bucket, and it looked like a drop step was there, or a spin move, and maybe he's in his head and thinks they're sitting on that move, so he doesn't bring it out. But he kept trying to go strong side all the time when he was in the post-ups. And so he was always turning into the defense. Jared Allen having time to get back. But I thought that Siakam, how he operated in this game, was a lot more dynamic when he was in his post-ups. There was the threat that he could spin out of it. There was the threat that he could face up. And he was much more aware of where Allen was. So he know, or sorry, he knew if Allen was roaming too far away, he could just bully his way in there and get the ball up quick. It wasn't about trying to fake guys out once he was planted and once he had picked up the ball. It was put the ball down. As soon as you pick it up, you've got the size, just go up. And he was doing that. And even though his touch on the inside today wasn't as, it wasn't at his best. We've seen him very, very potent in those play types around the rim. But I thought the decision making was very, very strong from Pascal. And that's that's most of the story of the third quarter, I think. Like, Fred Van Vliet hit some home run balls. The Nets with Tyler Johnson, who was absolutely banging them in from downtown, still running that uh, that very fun, very uh, up-and-down, high-variance, drive-and-kick type of offense that they run. And for the most part, is scoring every once in a while, hitting hitting home run ball every once in a while, but just not keeping pace with the, what the Raptors are doing. The Raptors looking like a significantly better team, which they are, and the Nets just not able to keep pace whatsoever. They go down 84-68 into the fourth quarter. The Raptors pretty much in the fourth quarter start playing a really loose brand of basketball, which in a game that saw very few free throws, in a game that was very up and down and didn't have a lot of lockdown from the Nets, the Raptors, I thought, had great discipline in rejecting the Nets' attempts towards the paint. But the game was not super intense at any point in time. It was almost like a scrimmage for the Raptors and a scrimmage for the Nets as well. So when we're looking at this game, just make sure nobody gets injured, pick up the win, take it home, that type of thing. And the Raptors, for the most part, Kyle Lowry hit a crazy three. Fred Van Vliet hit a crazy three after Pascal went up the floor, kind of left the ball behind him. Marcus all beat a guy to the ball and it did a spinning pass to Van Vliet, who hit a home run ball there. And it was like, okay, we kind of get what's happening here. The game has gone to the wayside, but in, in a meaningful and good way for the Raptors. It's just, it's not like an NBA basketball game. It's, it's garbage time. And pretty much very early in the fourth quarter, garbage time was introduced. The Raptors and the Nets, everybody empties the bench. Guys like Paul Watson are, you know, breaking out the dribble packages. Malcolm Miller hits a three. Chris Boucher is getting up and down the floor. Matt Thomas is coming off pin downs and he's curling in because, you know, the Nets are still playing really disciplined and are chasing him over the top. Not even in this game where everybody was getting loose, were the Nets going to let Matt Thomas pop out to three. They're like, no, you're going into the paint. You have to make decisions there which is kind of funny and maybe speaks to his growing reputation within the NBA. But 
I'm not too sure. But the Raptors, I mean, they, they close this one out. Very easy win. Nice to put them up 3 nothing. have an opportunity to sweep for the first time in the franchise history. And yeah, super fun game. Lots of stuff to enjoy and very, very leisurely. The Reggie Evans Award in this one goes to one Mr. Pascal Siakam, who I thought emerged in a big way, not only because the mismatches he creates and that he, you know, objectively kind of dictates the other team. He, he necessitates that those things happen as soon as he steps on the floor. He is a walking mismatch for a lot of a lot of teams, and especially the Nets roster construction means that, you know, they're, they're in a tough spot anytime he's out on the floor. He drove a lot of what happened for the Raptors offensively. Fred Van Vliet, of course, still repping that that identity as the Raptors' best uh, player in the bubble. I think he's still been fantastic. Pascal or Kyle haven't caught up to him yet. But Pascal in this one, I, I was really happy with how he rebounded on the defensive end. I thought that he was chasing down so many, so many closeouts. He was everywhere on defense. Really happy with his performance over there. And yeah, I think he deserves the Reggie Evans Award. The Mitchell Robinson Award, which might end up being the Rodians Kuruks Award. Because Kuruks, again, smashed OG in the face with his hand. And that's why OG was bleeding. And especially after Kuruks, who last game absolutely smashed into his face with his shoulder and didn't get a flagrant. But it looked horrible. It looked like he was premeditated, like Kuroks wanted to do that. And the dude's been charged with domestic violence, like just a waste man altogether, an absolute goober, a greebly, grimy dude. And he, so he gets the Mitchell Robinson Award, which maybe should be called the Rodians Kuroks Award. I'm not, I'm not too sure. But the top quick reaction comment, which I'm scrolling down to, post haste, the top quick reaction comment says, okay, Philly. Oh, one sec. It's from Wasabi Jones, by the way. Quote, Okay, Philly, at least make those arseholes from Boston work into the second half tonight, end quote. Yeah, Philly has been very, very disappointing. I, Embiid is so tantalizing. As a player, he represents so much of what makes basketball easy and what makes basketball really hard to defend, and it's just all packaged inside of his body. There's so much talent there, and he's not being helped at all. Josh Richardson has struggled to make good on a lot of the things that make him potentially dangerous in the half court. Tobias Harris just is hitting less threes in this series than Jimmy Butler is hitting in the Miami series. And Jimmy Butler shot like 20 threes from January until July. So insanity. And Tobias Harris is a maxed out player. The guy's maxed out. He's on a max contract. So I hope I hope they start taking a couple off Boston. But I just, the team around Embiid, is not at all good enough. Horford is a good defender still, but not at the level that he always has been, and he has struggled mightily to fit in on offense. That is a a dumpster fire of a team. So, you know, that's worth pointing out. But yes, thank you, Wasabi Jones, for suggesting that. I agree. It would be cool if Boston had to run through more than four games, but hey, them's the breaks. But that's it for me. I'm out of here, and you are too. Whether you're getting into this in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye.